0: Today's Western Reviews podcast is brought to you by the Western Silver and Gold Jewelry Company. Get all of your fancy bling in our stores nationwide. We have some of the finest, shiniest pieces of raw jewelry that you could ever purchase. Right now on our non-existent website, you can get 20% off our latest jewelry pieces with promo code NOPON. I repeat, the code is nopawn No. Pond. We hope um. you enjoy all of our links and things, and right now, you can order online at www.westonsjewelry.com. Go to www.westonsjewelry.com. Western, silver, and gold. This business does not accept for funds or majors, and this website does not existent, so please don't look it up. Warning, jewelry may cause blindness from their shine. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Greetings everyone, I'm the Western Wonder and I would like to say welcome, or if you're not new, welcome back to the West Reviews Podcast. And boy, do we have something to look at today. Today's movie is a mixture of comedy and suspense, pairing up two of some of the most funniest performers in a buddy movie, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. And while they may be paired up the last 45 minutes or so, really doesn't matter here. Today's movie is Silver Streak. Let's take a look at who did what and the reception of this flick. First off, the movie was directed by Arthur Hiller, who directed films such as the seven-time Oscar-nominated flick Love Story, The In-Laws, Outrageous Fortune with Bette Midler, and See No Evil, Hear No Evil, which also features the two lead stars of the film, Wilder and Pryor. The screenplay was done by Colin Higgins, who also wrote for the films Harold and Maude, which he also produced, and Nine to Five, which he also directed. The film was released in the winter of 1976 to positive reviews, making over 50 million dollars at the box office and receiving nominations at the Oscars for Best Sound and at the Golden Globes for Wilder's performance. With those facts aside, let's get down to the movie synopsis. WARNING. SPOILERS. AHEAD. Newly single George Caldwell, played by Gene Wilder, who added his books as a source of income, bores the Silver Street chain en route to a sibling's wedding. In hopes of taking time to relax, any plans for such action are switched up when he strikes an acquaintance with salesman Bob Sweet, played by Ned Beatty, and soon after is well acquainted with fellow passenger Hilly, played by Joe Clayberg. After talking to her, George learns that she works for reclusive history professor Schreiner, in a route to her venue to promote his book. Later in the night as they start to get cozy in Hilly's quarters, George notices a man falling off the roof of the train, but as he and Hilly are both inebriated, she says that he must have imagined it. The next morning, George discovers a book and shows a particular picture to Hilly. She identifies that the person in the picture was Professor Schreiner, but still dismisses George's claims that it was the same man that he saw last night. To prove his honesty, George goes to the professor's cabin himself, only to be greeted by a menacing old man who refuses him entry to the cabin. George still tries budging in, but the old man has him thrown out of the train by one of the thugs who works with him. Looking for a way to get back on the train, George eventually meets a friendly farmer who's happy to take him back to the next train station in a biplane. Even though he planned to go to the sheriff's department to explain the train incident, the train itself was already nearby a station, so he scraps the idea and parts ways with the friendly farmer lady. So long, Steve. Uh, it's George. As the train makes its next stop, the Rocky Mountains, George finds Haley busy talking with some company, so he goes off to speak with Bob again. After rambling around with why he wasn't there for breakfast, Bob reveals to George that the man having lunch with Hilly is actually a Mr. Roger Devereaux, an art dealer from Chicago, played by Patrick McGoon. With that information, George walks back to his compartment, only to go back to Hilly's to check on her moments later. Hilly, seeing that it's okay, embraces him and says that she was worried about him. Any further conversation between them is interrupted when Devereaux returns to her cabin and immediately introduces himself to George, all the while apologizing to him for being thrown off the train. One of Devereaux's associates, Mr. Winey that old man from earlier, comes in, surprised to see George around, and blames Devereux's other associate, Mr. Reese, who does not speak, by the way, for throwing him off the train in the first place. Then another man comes in and now, get this, introduces himself as the professor to supposedly throw Hilly off and foil George's chances of proving that the real professor is actually dead. That's foul. Defeated, George walks off next door to his apartment to take a nap, and once he's out of the room, Hilly is violently slapped by Devereaux while Mr. Whiny grins from a distance. Later, George is back at the bar getting drunk and looking towards Bob for support. After a few questions pertaining to who he knows on the plane and who's connected to who, Bob reveals to George that he's actually an FBI agent that goes by the name of Stevens. As a secret agent, Stevens has been trying to catch and arrest Devereaux at the right moment and that he and Professor Shriner are at odds with each other due to Devereaux being a faux art dealer, only using the business for money, which is the supposed reason why Shriner was murdered. He was planning to expose Devereaux's schemes somewhere in his book. Stevens, with the assistance of George, investigates further revolving the Shriner-Devereaux case and finds a piece of the former professor's tattered clothing, thus confirming he was actually murdered by Devereaux's henchmen. Stevens immediately asks George to call the train steward to make a stop in Kansas to arrest Devereaux, but before he makes a move, there's a knock on the door. Stevens answers, the lights go off, and BANG! A shot was fired. As George fumbles out the light switch, he realizes that Stevens has been shot. The agent knows that Devereaux sends his henchmen out to kill George in his cabin, not knowing that he would have company with him at the time of the attempted murder. George attempts to runs off, but the train steward, played by Scatman Crothers, rushes to the scene to see the agent dead and George holding his gun. The steward, furious, runs off while George tries to tell him that he didn't kill him. Unfortunately for George, Mr. Whiny notices that he's still alive and sends Reese off to finish the score. George and Reese battle on the roof of the train, and George eventually wins by shooting Reese and knocking him off the train. After taking a moment to breathe, he's quickly pushed off the train by a railway signal, and once again, he's on foot. Just like the first time he got knocked off the train, there's a convenient character to give him a ride to his destination, but once he gets to the local sheriff's station, he's already been tattled on about Agent Stevens' murder. George tries to explain this side of the incident, but the sheriff seems too disconnected and distracted to have a perfect conversation with him. The sheriff abruptly gets a call stating that the police are out to get George and threatens him by taking his gun out, killing time. George is able to knock the gun out of the sheriff's hands and claim it, all the while escaping from the sheriff's station and hijacking his car. While George is driving, a mysterious man in headcuffs arises from the backseat, startling. The man introduces himself as Grover Muldoon, played by Richard Pryor. From this point forth, the buddy movie trope appears. Anyways, Grover was watching George push away the sheriff and his backup while stealing his vehicle and was very impressed by how he handled the incident. They trade off their charges from the police. Grover is a car thief and George is wanted for murder. The nervous Grover tells George where he can drop him off, but George assures him that he was wrongfully charged for such a crime. After listening on the radio transmitter that the police planned to set roadblocks around the town, Grover drives for a while after George nearly bumps into some vehicles in an attempt to get away from nearby police cars. While Hilly is being questioned for a connection to George by Devereaux in the train, George and Grover stop by a car lot to steal a Jaguar. The watchman watch catches Grover, aims his gun at him, and George is able to tackle him before he shoots. The duo quickly leave and continue their journey to their next station, with George returning to the steering wheel on the way. During the drive, George worries about Hilly's safety. The next morning, the duo make it to the train terminal in Kansas City. However, the Feds are there keeping a lookout for George. So, in this next scene that definitely would not fly nowadays, Grover gets a hat, a radio, and some brown shoe polish and hopes to transform George into a black man in order to get through security quietly. And well, the whole scene in itself is just hysterical to watch. Put that radio to your ear, that's gonna help cover your face, right? And just move with the rhythm of the music. Move your body with the rhythm of the music. That's all you gotta remember, okay? Let me see you try Step to the music. Step to the music. Yeah. Step to the music. Stop. How come you whitey's got such a tight ass, man? How you gonna walk out of here with a tan face and that white walk? Just get into the music. Come on, George, come on, loosen up. Listen to the beat, let your feet move. Now do it, can't you feel it? The temple's right here, right in there. That's all you gotta do. Yeah, now try it, don't you feel it? come on, man, get some jive going. Be cool, shake it, but don't rape it. I don't think we'll make it past the cops. We'll make it past the cops. I just hope we don't see no Muslims and the funny thing is, the disguise actually works. Grover is briefly asked if he's seen the wanted man, but of course he says no. As they finally make it back on the train, George goes back to his cabin to find all of his personal possessions taken away, presumably from the police. Grover asks for money to get a suit, and after much hesitation, George complies. While resting off the brown shoe shine, he discovers Hilly nearby and alone. Before he can muster any words, he's abruptly knocked out cold and wakes up later. Upon gaining consciousness, he tells George that she was forced to comply to Devereux's order on keeping a tight lip on Shriner being killed, or else she'll be killed as well. The two embrace once more before once again being interrupted by Mr. Whiney. Whiney, with gun in hand, reports them to see Devereux in his cabin. As Devereux reads to the professor's book, he praises the authenticity of his work, handing it over to Whiney, who goes off to store it in a safe. The man explains to George and Hilly that the professor actually committed death by suicide by jumping off the train before Devereaux's henchmen can get to him, which ultimately messed up his plans a little. The man, who was disguised as a professor from earlier, returns, whose name is revealed to be Mr. Johnson, stating that the train's en route to Devereaux's stop in half an hour. After more intimidation from Devereaux, Stewart arrives in the room with his breakfast, offering George and Hilly some food. Well, at least he didn't say, watch me as I gloat more about random scenarios and eat my breakfast in front of you too. Oh, to your surprise, the steward turns out to be Grover in disguise. He messes around with Devro up to the point where he calls Grover an angry an- an- n-word, just another reason to despise him. Grover pulls out his gun and George steals Devereaux's gun, taking authority of the situation by letting him know that he killed a secret agent who's been hunting him for years, and orders Winnie to go back to the safe and get the professor's book. An altercation occurs between Johnson, Winnie, Grover, and George, and yet again George ends up off the train with Grover. The duo are arrested moments later. After being dropped by another train station, the duo meets Stevens or Bob Sweets' partner in crime, Federal Chief Donaldson. The chief reveals to the duo that the police were following George only for protection, and that he was the one who sold the story on George murdering Stevens. After hearing the chief's plan up to this point, the duo part ways with Grover pleading to go home and George accompanying the authorities to get Hilly back and kill Devereaux and his cronies once and for all. Once George gives Donaldson the scoop on what happened during his time on the train, the chief calls for the train to stop near a close station to get everyone out, arresting Devereaux in the process. Speaking of Devereaux, he's busy burning all the professor's papers to... Get rid of evidence uh, or something—I don't know. Eventually, the train stops at the station, and as the passengers begin leaving, a big shootout happens. Grover returns to the scene, much to the surprise of George because. What did you come back here for? Uh, ah, I forgot your wallet. Oh, some thief you are. Devereaux, incompetent, orders the engineer to speed up the train's motion. While out fighting the Feds, Mr. Winder gets shot, but Devereaux ruthlessly leaves him out in the scene in their way from the train leading to his fatal demise. At this point, George and Grover have made their way back to the train, and George kills off Mr. Johnson and saves Hilly. Meanwhile, near the main booth, the engineer has had enough of the intensity and tries to escape, but Devereaux kills him and puts the toolbox on the pedal in order to not lose any speed. George comes up with the idea to disconnect the rear cabin from the rest of the moving train, making sure that he, Hilly, Grover, and the steward from earlier, who was injured, are safe. Unfortunately for Devereaux, he loses the battle after being shot twice by the Chief and George, and is immediately mutilated by an oncoming train. The Silver Streak, however, is en route to crash inside of the Chicago Union Station, which enforces a rushed evacuation of customers inside. The train destroys most of the interior of the building, causing plenty of damage along the way. It seems to, however, be a happy ending for everyone afterwards. Grover departs with a stolen sports car that was on display and as for George and Hilly, <laughs> well they safely depart the station to find another spot to stay for a while. And that's pretty much the end. One of my final thoughts. This movie is good, not great but good. It may seem to drag on a little longer than it should in some parts and in others the story moves around relatively fast. The character dynamic between Wilder and Pryor was quite hysterical to watch as one or the other riff off of each other. The scenery out of the train was beautiful but Interesting fact, quite a few scenes were filmed in Canada. Also, the score by the same man behind the Pink Panthers theme song fits the movie very well. I would recommend the movie if you're a fan of the leads or their appearing in other movies, and if you like calm suspense flicks with a tinge of comedy, or if you don't have anything else to watch. Next week, stay tuned for the Triple Movie Deluxe review where I'll be reviewing three Black Exploitation flicks. I'm The West of Wonder, and as always, thanks for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time. Stay safe.